Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is the Baby Fury Podcast. Baby Nation, this is Jack speaking to you. What you are about to hear is the long-awaited result of an idea that Tanner had last year and that he has been trying to distance himself from ever since, to the point of completely disavowing it. What if, together, we attempted to do the impossible and remember the Da Vinci Code? It's a thought that I have not been able to let go of for months. It keeps me awake at night. If you find this notion as exciting and as important as I do, let me know, and I'll find a way to remember the rest of this inscrutable novel in a different forum, perhaps with guests who don't hate the idea. In the meantime, here's the first chapter of The Da Vinci Code, to the best of our memory. We'll be back in two weeks with the Babysitter's Club mystery board game. (laughs) Symbols are a language that can help us understand our past. It's a rudimentary phallus. Quite to the point. Yes, indeed. Yes, the more penises you have, the higher your ankle. A lot of people say, Tanner, that Homer, as we know him, Simpson, <sighs> dope, <laughs> was not an actual person, no, but cartoon. the <laughs> concatenation of nope. years of oral history that had been passed down. You're waiting and for that, me to make an oral history joke, like oral sex. You gave me space. You gave me a little runway there. I've learned that if you speak slowly, you yeah. sound more professorial. Unless. The pauses are pregnant. Unless. <laughs> They're not designed to be filled. You have a co-host. <laughs> Immature or, co-host. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was a mistake. <laughs> I'm going to own that. But that the Odyssey and the Iliad are a part of an oral tradition. Okay. I read them. Um, They were both books. Rather than the works of a singular author, necessarily. That doesn't hold up, because I've read both of them. They're both books. Okay. (laughs) So, explain that. Well, somebody wrote them down eventually. But that's what we're doing here. This is my way of introduction. Mm. What we're doing here is we are continuing an oral tradition. That was begun by Dan Brown. Well, it was Let's begun say, we... by the shadowy figures behind Plato. Yes. Or Homer. Homer, yes. <laughs> it was begun by, by the shadowy figures who... I Maybe Homer is an acronym. It yeah. was like... 
Hank. Like Agents of Homer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it was continued by Dan Brown, and then now it's being... Yep. And now it's us. Fulfilled yep. by us. That's a great way of putting it. Yes. So I think... So it's a difficult concept to explain. I thought that would be a way in. We okay. Here's the thing. Let me say this. It, here's what it is. It's remembering the Da Vinci Code. We are We are remembering the Da Vinci Code. Yes, and we're qualified to do that because... Yeah, we've read it. We read it once yeah. uh, 12 years ago. Longer than that, my friend. 2009. Oh, yeah, maybe? no. I Yeah, that's about right. 2009. We, well, yeah, I read it. I actually read it. I read it in Rome. Okay, but you and, you and I... So that was a, 2003. As a couple. Yeah. And as a couple, we read it for a book, a Dan Brown book club in 2009. So I've read it twice. I just realized that. Yeah. But I might. And and we're we're qualified to do this work. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. we've read all the Babysitter's Club books. Okay. Yeah. That's also true. Together, you and I have read all the Babysitter's Club books. So we have learned the incomprehensible art Mm -hmm. of remembering books, critical analysis of literature. Yeah. What we're doing, let me say, let me start again. Let's start again. Okay. Let me throw this The Ages idea. of Homer. Yeah. No, no, not they're, literally they start don't again have with super the same heroes. thing. Yeah. They don't, sorry, they don't have superpowers, but they're sort of like yeah. in the same like league as superheroes. Right. They like hang out with them, but they can't do much. Right. Except enforce the law. Right. And that's what we are. Um, let me throw this idea at you. Everybody has read the Da Vinci Code. I think that is I think that is true. Yeah. Everybody's Statistically, read Statistically, I think that yeah. is true. But nobody necessarily remembers it. No. I certainly don't. What are we going to do about that? So that's a this is a problem that afflicts 99% of the world's population. They've read the Da Vinci Code, but they don't 100%, necessarily 100%, 100% remember it. Population. 100% of the world's population. And we're... 7.8 billion people have read yeah. the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. And we're going to solve that problem for 7.8 billion people. We're philanthropists. We're going to remember the Da Vinci Code for you. Yeah. Dear listener. Yeah. That's good. That's powerful. That makes me... I want to take a second and think about how powerful that makes me feel. And it's very I the impact we're going to have on the the life of an average being, sentient yeah. being on this planet. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, I guess I read the Da Vinci Code. Yeah, I don't remember much about it. Well, guess what? Yeah, you don't have to. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have to because we doing will. It. We're going to yeah. do it. Okay, this feels good. This feels good. It yeah. feels important. Yeah. I wasn't excited about this podcast. This is your idea. You pitched it to me. You sold it very hard. Yeah, I, and I do want to say, and I normally wouldn't because I do like to take credit for things, but it was your idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hate it. <laughs> You've been the, yeah. the, the flag bearer on this one. Yeah. You, you desperately wanted this to happen. I begrudgingly agreed to go along with it. It's your show. I mean, that's also... In fairness, a uh, description of almost all of our creative collaborations. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of my creative collaborations with everyone. You, it's your Someone idea. Someone has an idea there. Yeah, you I have, have an idea. idea. Someone else gets fired up about it, yeah. and then I do all the work. 
Well, we're doing the work. And that's what they say. That is what they say, isn't it? When they say do the work, what they mean is remember the fucking Da Vinci Code for people. Yeah. Make a difference. Do the work. Try to have an impact on this world. Yeah. Yeah. You only get one go round on this this dang reality. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Try to make your mark. And this is how we make our mark. Yeah. We've toiled away for years at digital media. Uh Uh-huh. Writing things that no one cared about. Nobody. Blip on the radar. Absolutely mm-hmm. no one remembers anything we've ever done. And now we're making our mark. We were middling podcasters at best, mm-hmm. finding some degree of success, but never breaking through in a truly interesting way. Mm-hmm. But all that changes today because we yep. will be remembering the Da Vinci Code. Yes. Um, and let's get started. So The Da Vinci Code is a book. It's a code? Yes, it's a code. Well, do you are you talking diegetically or non-diegetically? I didn't go to film school. Okay. Diegetically means like within the text? Yes. And non-diegetically means like Right. Yes. Now I remember. by yeah. the consumer. So Yeah. It, it, when you say we're remembering The Da Vinci Code, do you mean the we're, book? We're remembering the written book. Written by Dan Brown. We have to remember both. The code. Right. Written by Da Vinci. Both. Okay. Yeah. Let's start let's start simple. I think I'm hoping that by the end of this we'll have remembered at least some of the Da Vinci code. Okay. That's important for people. If you just want a refresher, you're like Yeah. I don't know if I just describe my experience with the Da Vinci code as enjoyable, but it's hard to put it down. It is hard to put it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a page turner. Yeah. But I would like to remember a little bit about it, just yeah. in case it comes up. If and I'm that's what we're going to do for you. Between us, we've read it three times. Mm-hmm. Three and I times. Just, I, and I recently read the Wikipedia. <laughs> I Pot synopsis. I read it when it came out, and then I read it again because we had a Dan Brown book club. Yeah. We called it uh, Ironic Book Club. Yeah. But we read and all the what books. what that meant was we read four books by Dan Brown. We read more than that. Did we? <laughs> Yeah. And we read his non-Da Vinci Code book. Yeah. I'll tell you what my – briefly before we move into remembering the Da Vinci Code, which is what people are here for, yeah. uh, my favorite Dan Brown book is Deception Point. Deception Point is <laughs> the non-Da Vinci Code we, book we read. <laughs> yeah. And then we read Angels and Demons, Da Vinci Code, and Lost Symbol, which at the time were all that were out. Yeah. I, it was – the book club was inspired by the fact that Lost Symbol had come out, I think. Mm-hmm. If I if if my chronology is correct, don't hold. And me we to it. did it at a bar in. Yeah, we also went read Digital Fortress. Oh right, we did read Digital Fortress. Jesus, <laughs> we read so many damn brown books for that book club. Yeah, and we hung out at a bar called Tropical One One Twenty Eight. Yeah, in the in China Manhattan. Yep, and it was a shithole. But they or they but would they give you a liter beers. They, what what was it called? A tower. A t- yeah, a tower. You so would get was, a tower of blue moon. It was, was just a like, giant like <laughs> pitcher that was a liter tall or a, a meter tall. Yeah, and it had a little uh, spigot at the bottom so you could pour yourself a beer off of it. And every like five to six months, you would go to Tropical and it would be closed down because they were serving underage people, yeah, and then would, it would it open up again for, a few months later. And it was <laughs> infamous for serving high schoolers beer. And then okay. the other, only other notable thing about Tropical 128 that I do think we need to address right okay. at the top is yeah. that the bathrooms 
have uh, fish didn't have them. walls. They, they just had fish. fish tanks. It really bummed me out. <laughs> yeah. So if you went to go pee, you fish were next would watch to a fish tank and someone was on the other side and could watch you pee. And also the fish could watch you pee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is setting the scene, but it's also establishing our credentials. Yeah. Weird. I think the two people outside of Dan Brown himself, who maybe honestly doesn't have the objectivity to do this, were right. the two people most equipped to remember the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. Okay. Come on. Let's get into the right mindset here. I think maybe if we start with some okay, characters. Okay, here's, here's the right mindset. It's 2009. Okay. I am yep. definitely wearing a hoodie. Okay. And over the hoodie, a sports coat. Mm, that's awful. Yeah. Okay. 2009. And let's see. I'm watching a lot of Flight of the Concords mm-hmm. and The Office. Yeah. Living in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. This is more setting the scene about uh, the Da Vinci Code and less I'm about just trying you. to put myself back in that place, okay. you okay. know? Back in that heady space. Um, I wear jeans and a t-shirt and a um, track jacket, probably, Not much has still. Yeah. The track yeah, jacket. Although I don't think you really have anymore. the PETA track jacket anymore, do you? I still got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's my, like, if it's cold out. Yeah. I still wear it pretty regularly. Yeah. Um... <sighs> Yes, not about us, about the book. Not Let's about, think about us, the book. it's about book. Okay, so You're, we're Dan... in that space. Pour yourself a blue moon. Listener, pour yeah. yourself a blue moon. Pour yourself a liter of blue moon. A meter. A meter of blue, a moon. blue moon. Sit back and yeah. prepare to remember the Da Vinci Code. Please. Tanner, I think what we should start with is characters. We know one, and it's Robert Langdon. Yes? That sounds right. Yeah, and he is a professor. Of symbology. symbology, yes. Although I will say, reading the um, Wikipedia plot synopses, you're cheating. Books, I didn't cheat. I didn't. I know. I know. Yeah, I misunderstood the premise of the podcast. Again, yeah. it's your podcast. <laughs> I'm a passenger as yeah. much as the listener is. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I was supposed to be the one who knew it, and that you yeah. were the one guessing at it. But yeah. now I realize that we're both the one who we're remembering it together. It. Yeah. So I read. I did read the Wikipedia recaps of these this mm-hmm. evening. So yeah. I have. I have slightly more knowledge mm-hmm. than you. Great. But not much, to be honest. Um, so the first four books... No, let me finish this Oh, anecdote. sorry. Yeah. yeah. The first four books in the Wikipedia synopses, he's referred to as Robert Langdon's symbologist. Okay, yeah. And then apparently, Dan Brown decided to correct it for the fifth book. Because origin. symbology is not a fucking thing. <laughs> and now he's a symbolist. <laughs> like he plays symbols in the band. <laughs> He's like, sorry, I, people keep thinking people that he's a professor. People have been this for years. I'm a professor at Harvard of symbols. <laughs> the instrument. Isn't he a semi, shouldn't he be a semiotician? That's, I guess that's always been my issue. Like, there is a word for symbology, and it's semiotics. Right. So you should be a semiologist. <laughs> but that's, no, no, no. We're not correcting the Da Vinci Code. Let's no, be clear. We're remembering, remembering the Da Vinci Code. Okay. Robert Langdon sounds right. Robert Langdon, symbologist. And the book was written by Dan Brown, by the way, and that's something yep. I know. That's important. To be true. Okay. Let's, we, gotta, we, we only have another about 40 minutes to get through this. And oh, Jesus. I want to at least get through the first chapter right. tonight. Um, there's a, definitely a babe, right? Well, first chapter of what, Jack? Because now we get into some, some complex, like, 
chronology issues. Yeah. Because Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code was the first book published right. in the Robert Langdon. Was it? I think a- Angels and Demons came out before Da Vinci Code. Did it? I don't know. I thought it was a, a prequel written after the Da Vinci Code. It's a, kind of okay to live in that uh, the, that lack of knowledge, because what we're trying to do here is remember. We're trying to remember. Right. Here's what I remember. The Da yeah. Vinci Code was huge. Yeah, big. Cultural touchstone. Everyone mm-hmm. knew it. Everyone read it, as we've established. Mm-hmm. And then Dan Brown was like, shit, this, this shit is like fire. Yeah. I need to do more with this, except... What am I supposed to do now? Like I kind of mm-hmm. blew my load with the. Um, Is that how he would say it? I don't think so. Knights Templar. Yeah. So I'm gonna have to go back mm-hmm. and do a smaller story, a more contained story, and that's Angels and Demons. Right. So my question for you is: Are we starting cr- chronologically with Da Vinci Code or um, bookyology? We're starting with with Angels the and first. In medias res, we are starting. Think about this from the point of view of the ideal listener, which is all people who Ev- currently live who, on everyone the because everyone read the Da Vinci Code. Not and everyone they, read the Angels. And not Demons. everyone read Angels and Demons. Not everyone okay. read fucking Digital Fortress. But Digital everybody Fortress is not part of the canon. Okay, not everyone read Inferno. Inferno. Not everyone Lost read symbol. the Lost Symbol. Origin. Not everyone has read Origin yet. In, in fact, my research yeah. earlier this evening, trying to mm-hmm. find recaps of all these books, very few people have read Origin <laughs> from every indication. I read a few chapters of it just to put myself back in the mind of Dan Brown. before. That's, yeah. my, that's the extent of my research. As I read five chapters. I want to put my cards on the table. I read yeah. five chapters of Origin just to put myself back into the mindset of Dan Brown. Right. Uh, I need to think how he thinks to be able to – because I'm a forensic scientist here. This yeah, is CSI. Yeah, yeah. This is You're Da Vinci Code CSI. Yeah, I'm yeah. going back into his head and reconstructing what he did. You're like Sherlock, and I'm like Watson. Yes. I'm just marveled by you. Yes. You know? Yeah, because I notice things that you can't even see. And I'm I'm like just like sitting there in like a stupor like, <laughs> <laughs> Sir, I can't believe you've done it again. Yeah, exactly. This is so, a, a huge fantasy for you, isn't it? Yeah, this is <laughs> that really <laughs> just really built me up in a way that's gonna gonna be good for the, this project of ours because we yeah. have to do important work and I need to be at my peak here. So we've we got are Robert burning Langdon. minutes. The minutes are no. ticking by. We okay. definitely have to at least get into the book a little bit. Here's what I think we do. I th- here's what I think happens in the Da Vinci Code. I think it's star- okay. We went way too far by saying Robert Langdon. Scrub that from your minds. Too much. Listeners, scrub that from your minds. This book definitely begins with a dedication. Yes. Who's this book dedicated to? <sighs> dedication is non-diegetic. From my wife, probably, right? Or mother. But Let's Dan just Brown say both. seems like Dan Brown seems like the kind of guy who would not say for my wife. He, like, he's not sentimental, right? He's like a cold calculating man <laughs> so i think he would say like for my Nora agent brown you know he would never address oh, his wife as he wouldn't say wife. my wife he would say for right. Nora brown and we're and do you remember this i think what we're going to say is what we remember is once we've settled on it is canon here so yeah, do yeah. you remember that dan's wife is Nora? it's it, it's the first name that popped short in my for head eleanor in a way that i think yeah. It's gotta be. 
came from some deep recess yeah. of my mind. Okay. So we've got the dedication. Now yeah. we're remembering the Da Vinci Code people. And this is how the this is the process. For Nora Brown without whom. And that and that's it. <laughs> I think you gotta you gotta end that sentence. But oh, he is a writer. Writer. Dan writer. Brown does like to end every sentence on a cliffhanger. Yeah. So it's like without whom if I hadn't fallen out of that helicopter. Okay, now are we talking angels and demons again? <laughs> is that how the angels and demons begins? It's how it ends. Like okay, let's try something more. else. Let's try an adjective. The, yeah. for Nora Brown, the, what's a word for smart? Oh, he's going to do some symbology shit, isn't he? In the he's dedication. He's going to be like, for Nora Brown, the like cipher to my mm, like mm. riddle. Right. That's I rem- seem to remember that the cipher to my riddle is perfect. Right. Yeah. That's Dan Brown. That's the answer. Okay. So we've got the dedication. We're all remembering this fucking book. Yeah. For Nora Brown, the cipher to my riddle. And now, guess what? Now we're in the book, and you know what we need? Um, an epigraph. Okay. We need an epigraph. I need a quote. <sighs> okay. Let's think about this. Newton, yeah. If I remember correctly, Newton plays a big part in this book. Okay, that's news to me. But <laughs> I think Newton was the first Freemason, <laughs> and okay. I don't want to spoil anything. No, we are spoil. This is what we're spoiling: the Da Vinci Code. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. What I meant was, I don't want to get this wrong, but yeah. I guess that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. I think Newton was a, the original Freemason, so it's definitely going to be a Newton quote. Shall I just Google an Isaac Newton quote? Ooh, you know what he would do? You know what Dan Brown would do? Yeah. In a really obnoxious way. Mm. He would be like subversive and like pop culture-y in like a way that he thinks is very clever, but is really dumb. Okay. And he would just say like, hello, Newton. And what he means is like Apple Newton, the original Apple computer. Okay. Because like they had, they said like, hello. So he would, he would reference the original Apple Newton. Yeah. And that's the epigraph to this book. Are you sure that's what happened? Maybe not. <sighs> I'm just trying to get in this guy's head. What would he have said? Something My about memory Newton. is so hazy. Shall I, can I Google or is that cheating? I think that might be cheating because we're. I think we're if, you, if you Google it in a way that you're not going to get, if you Google it in a way that it removes Dan Brown context entirely, like new, best Newton quotes, best Newton quotes. Yeah. Okay. All right. If that's allowed, that's allowed. Best Newton quotes. I think it's like it's like an attorney. You can't ask leading questions, you know? Okay. What about this? I can calculate the motion of heavenly bodies, but not the madness of people. That's perfect. But I like I guarantee you that is the epigraph. <laughs> That's the epigraph for the Da Vinci Code. I guarantee you. One hundred percent. Because we're we're following in his footsteps. That's what Dan Brown did. Yeah. He Googled Newton quotes. <laughs> <laughs> Almost definitely. He saw Hello Newton. He discarded it. He saw that madness one. And he thought that's... about it. He was like, mm, is that clever? <laughs> and he's like, mm, not as clever. Okay, so now we're fucking cooking. And so what I'm realizing, and I learned this from um, my, my brief foray into um, Origin, the yeah. the latest the, Robert the Langdon fifth. book. Yeah. And I am certain based on my foray into origin that this has also happened in the da vinci code we don't start with 
Robert Langdon in his like tweed coat, tweedily sitting in a fucking Harvard bookshelf. Because that would be very Indiana Jones, and I feel yeah. like that is what Dan Brown's. Going that's for. chapter chapter one. We, what we have is a prologue that's like bad guy in streets. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bad gonna guy be, um... hurried in the in the rain to like fucking do some Templar esque mission. Here's what I'm realizing. And it's surprising. Some of my memory of the Da Vinci Code is tied up with the film. Mm. I haven't seen the film. definitely watched. Cast that from your brain. We cannot. I have a lot of trouble doing that because what I do remember is that the bad guy Mm -hmm. is a bad priest Mm -hmm. who's albino. Yeah. And he's played by Paul Bettany. Okay. Perfect. Who was also in a film called Priest... I think mm. around the same year. Okay, yeah, which was ruled. <laughs> yeah, so now all I'm per- uh, all I can help but think about is like a the superhero priest, yeah, priest who okay. like fights vampires in the yeah. desert outside of like mega cities. Guys, please watch Priest. So I think maybe <laughs> that's the prologue. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Are you sure? No. And again, no. Not sure. So, but we're agreed. But it's at where least my head goes that it's a priest with albinism, yeah, who whips himself with cat of nine tails. And I remember that very distinctly. Yep. Okay. What's Anytime his name? He thinks he sins. What's his name? That <sighs> we need to know because that's how it's going to start. It's going to start with his name. Name walked adverbally through the adjective rain, muttering. Blank to himself. It's something dumb. Okay. We, let's hone in a little bit. It's one name. It's one name. B- Biz- Bismarck. No, I know we just talked about this, so I know yeah. it's not right. Yeah. But I think his name is Cypher. <laughs> like the character from The Matrix. Okay. And so, would that be Dan Brown? Yeah. Do you be like, look, this guy's named after like a puzzle thing? Yeah, Cipher. Is that not exciting enough? I think that is. I like Cipher. I think his name is literally Cipher. Okay, it's Cipher, man. That's good. This is what. This is how oral history happens. It's not funny, but I think it's literally his name, Cipher. Okay, Cipher. And we can try to come up with a funnier name. His name is Poop Butt. No, I don't need a funnier name. I want. I want accuracy here. I'm trying to be super accurate with this. Okay. I think his name is Cypher. Cypher walked hurriedly to walk through. We need to say what kind of rain it is. Okay. Driving. Driving rain seems fine. Cypher walked hurriedly through the driving rain, which was like, what was it like? Uh, A something doing something to something. Cypher walked hurriedly through the driving rain, which was like punishment. Ah, yes. That's good. From god perfect which he liked but yeah not enough enough (laughs) because he needed to go home to flog himself to flog himself he was headed home to flog himself he was headed home to flog himself who was this guy he is and tell me if you think this is right he's part of a ancient sect that sounds right yeah that sounds right He's a keeper of a ancient truth. Ancient secret. A secret. 
That's better. An ancient secret about the Knights Templar. We don't want to reveal that this early. Here's, here, here we go. Mm-hmm. Cypher was walking home in the driving rain mm-hmm. in yeah. Rome. Oh, there we go. So now I'm going to fucking um, push back on a little bit. In Trastevere. That's good. <laughs> you give you give a little bit more context. You give a, a little, little bit more, more color. A little bit more color. So then we can say, what were we saying? He's part of a sect. A sect. Yeah. In Rome. Yes. And their Keeping morality the is bad. unclear. Yes. Until mm-hmm. you learn that he whips himself with a cat. He whips himself. He's got glass on the ends. He's looking around hauntedly. Yes. At um, statues. It's dark. Religious symbology. Yes. And then he whips himself, and then I think his cell phone rings. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His Blackberry. His Blackberry rings. Because it's 2009. Yeah. Uh, Hello, Moto. (laughs) Hello, I'm whipping myself. (laughs) Hold on a minute. Let me finish whipping myself. (laughs) (laughs) You can talk. (laughs) I'm listening. And it's the director of the Knights Templar. I think the Knights Templar are the good guys. Oh. What's the bad guys? No. No. What is it? I don't know, but it's not the Knights Templar. Okay. I think the Knights Templar are the good guys. Listen, we can't... There's no I don't know in this podcast. We're remembering... What's the opposite of Knight Templar? Because... I mean, like, if we're going with the Assassin's Creed mythology, the opposite, <laughs> the opposite of the Knights Templar is the Assassins. Then it's the Assassins. Okay, but that that's mixing a lot of mythologies together. Oh, what? Unlike Dan Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I am certain, and I don't want to spoil it, yeah. but I am certain that the Knights Templar are the good guys. Okay, then it's the Assassins. Okay. H- hello. It's the guy from the Assassins. Um. I all I can come up with is Rachel Ghoul, which is the head of the assassins in the Batman universe. But I know that's not right. Okay, well we can't have things that we know are not right. Okay, and my name is Dave John Assassin. As- I- oh, and you know what definitely happens here, one hundred percent. Can I say this? Yeah. Uh, there's a digression where um, Dan Brown explains what like hash hashin means, and it's like about hashish and like. Like how assassins smoked hashish and to like, get into like the kill state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and how the um, cipher. So it's probably uses like Weed Lord like, four twenty. <laughs> hell yeah! <laughs> cipher uses the cat and nine tails to like achieve that state, like that state of like mm. the bliss. He doesn't need hashish, right? Okay, what's his name? Dave. Dave doesn't sound right. No, I think it's, it's not... something. If so, what if I rem- if I remember correctly, it's like an older gentleman, ugh, and I don't. I hate to do spoilers because we're yeah. just trying to get through the fucking prologue. Yeah, here, but yeah, the bad guy in the book turns out to be the old, wizened academic professor whom Robert Langdon trusts. Okay, but we're not learning that now. No, but I know. But we do need to come up with like an old, wizened English okay. professor name. So his name is like Professor L- Sir. Professor Sir 
Lord um, Mountbank. Mountbank sounds right, but he's not going to say his name because we don't we don't know. He just going to have a like the director. The right? director. It's the director. This is the director. Yeah. What's a more religious version of the director? The uh, curate. The curate's pretty good. The curate. more Italian. The uh, principe. Principe is very good. <laughs> okay. Yes. This is the principe. Stop whipping yourself, and it, and then so now we need a cliffhanger to to go into the first chapter. Stop whipping yourself. It's time. The seal has been broken. Yes. And then the guy cocks a gun. Yeah. A big gun. Yeah, and it's huge. Okay, good. All right, let's take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll do chapter one. Jesus. (laughs) This is taking much longer than I expected. (laughs) It's a long book. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hmm. What would I do with an extra hour in my day? Very interesting question, BetterHelp. Hello, everyone. This is Evil Tanner. I'm like regular Tanner, except evil. Our sponsor, BetterHelp, has put a little prompt here in the copy for us. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? My own website, which only exists on the dark web, of course, uh, wetterhelp.com, could use a little help. So I would probably use that hour to... Do a whole bunch, like, just flood Facebook with one like, one prayer. Please go donate to my GoFundMe. I need to bring my website, wetterhelp.com, back from the brink. Betterhelp.com, they feel like there's a little bit of uh, infringement. I said, well, you know, we're on the dark web. You guys are on the surface web. Our whole thing is, like, getting people wet who don't want to be wet. So it's, like, stepping in a puddle or, like, sitting on a bench that's wet. That's us. Like, that's what we do. Share this with a friend, one like, one prayer. I will follow through on the like prayer stuff, too. I will be praying all night. I would use today's sponsor, BetterHelp.com. Of course, I can't. I am evil tanner. I can only use the deep web. We do have a deep web version of BetterHelp.com. It's called WorseHelp.com. It's not good, but I think BetterHelp.com is great from everything I've heard. Convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch at any time, no additional charge. Uh, Go check it out. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bedfellows to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bedfellows. See you there. Well, not me, but have fun. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
I realized we missed something in the um, prologue. Okay. I think that the air needs to smell vaguely of something. Uh, okay. <laughs> so like sulfur. Go-to options. Sulfur's good. Sweat. Yeah. Sweat is perfect. Um, Sulfurous sweat? Is that too what's much? What's the... Um, when the Pope dies... Yeah. And I know that's angels and demons and don't come after me. Yeah. What do they shoot up the shim- the chimney? I think it's sweat. <laughs> okay. It's like a color. Is it do we decide it's raining? Smoke. It just it's raining. Like, what it's do you driving call that rain. like nitrite or something like the 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 stink that comes with rain? I think can we just say the air the air smells vaguely of the stink that comes with rain. That's not bad. I live in Connecticut now, and we have yeah. a lot of robins. It's our state bird. And when it rains, worms mm-hmm. come out of the ground, and robins come out and eat them. So maybe it could be like the air smelled vaguely of worms. Or earth worms. <laughs> okay. I'll go with worms. Yeah. The air I smelled vaguely. Earthworms and worms. Yeah. No, they do. I've been there. I can confirm it. Yeah. Okay. Of worms. I once stayed in an Airbnb in Rome, and there were scorpions in it. Uh, by design? That was, like, part of the appeal? <laughs> no, it was part of the detraction of my pleasure and being there. I once stayed in Rome for about six hours. Yeah, that's nothing. Because I um, took a train there, and someone stole my wallet and passport. Okay, that's nothing for us. So now I have a lifelong grudge against Rome. Rome. Okay, perfect. Um <sighs> I had to go to the consulate. Okay. Get an emergency passport printed. That sucks. So that I could take a train back to Germany. I'm sorry to hear that. Where my aunt and uncle lived. Yeah. Chapter one. Chapter one. Robert Langdon. And now I'm on firm And that's something, and and sorry, we can't, that is something we both have intimate knowledge of. The character's name is Robert Langdon. Yeah. (laughs) We're right about this. Mm Mm-hmm. This is like, there are places where like the rubber meets the road with oral history, which is what we're doing. And like some of those places, it's like every version of this that you read, every version of Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code that you read, it's going to be Robert Langdon. Or watch. Yeah. Or watch. Because some of us have. Yeah. Some of us have watched it. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure for home, H-O-M-E-R, it was the same thing. It's always a disease. It's always. Yeah. Of fucking Achilles, you know? Yeah. Okay. Symbologist. Robert Langdon was, we don't need to do sentence by sentence, but we need to know where he is. It's a bookshelf. I think he's sitting in a bookshelf. On a, he's in sitting a, in a bookshelf in yeah. Harvard. Yes. One of the, and it's not any bookshelf. It's like one of the smartest bookshelves. Yes. That they have. He's sitting in the, in the, um, what do you call it? Like ancient. Ancient text literature shelf yeah at harvard university in cambridge massachusetts which is and for people who don't know one of the smartest universities we should say (laughs) and that it says that right in the text just in case you don't know yeah because there's a lot of you know 7.8 billion people reading this a lot of these are americans no they don't know a lot of them need context it's one of the smartest places it's one of the smartest places in the world and also technically um predates the pyramids yeah and it predates the pyramids and but that's not why he's there. He is a professor there. He's a professor no. there because he loves to um, 
profess. He loves challenging youth. Yeah. With radical ideas. Yeah, with radical ideas. What's he so, wearing, Jack? Tweed. Tweed shoulder but patches. But let's get better about this because I think tweed coat and he has shoulder patches. I think a thing that I've learned from the five chapters of Origin that I read in preparation of this, trying to get inside Dan Brown's mind, is we need kind of need like specifics. You can't just say tweed. So it's a Harris oh, tweed. Right. Harris it's, tweed. Yeah. He's got a Harris patches. tweed jacket, but Listen, I I don't want to be normative here, but that cannot be the only thing you're wearing, especially if you're a professor at a university. Elbow patches, not shoulder patches. It does have shoulder pads, though. It's very, like, (laughs) Okay, yeah. It makes him look more masculine. I I recently, and by recently, I mean, like, five years ago, rewatched The X-Files, and, like, I loved it, but I literally could not look away from Scully's shoulder pads the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's not a good look <laughs> it's we just like did. hard to avoid i remember when i got my first suit it had shoulder pads and i was just like man i feel powerful in this powerful okay well this is like robert langdon okay so but he doesn't need shoulder pads because he's I, this is another thing i think oh it's coach shabby it's shabby it's shabby right okay it would be because he's too wrapped up in his book work yeah to go out and buy a new coat Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So it's a Harris tweed, but it I again, I don't want to push this too hard, but if that's the only thing he's wearing, it's like tastefully shabby. But it, it's still problematic. It's got a swastika armband on Can it. Can you imagine if you were is like a student mean? at Harvard and you walked into a bookshelf and a professor is sitting there and he's only wearing a tweed coat? Oh, 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 okay. He's got to have pants. You want to describe his whole outfit? I think so. I think Dan Brown did. Okay. Robert Langdon Jeans. was sitting intelligently on the smartest bookshelf in, in a Cambridge, Harvard. Massachusetts. Yeah. And then in parentheses. Yeah. That's where Harvard is. That's where <laughs> Harvard is. Yeah. <laughs> he was wearing... He's wearing a tastefully shabby tweed coat with elbow patches and shoulder pads. Yeah. But that's tight, not all. Tight, tight. Yeah. Dungaree jeans. Okay. The kind with the little um, strap where you put a hammer if you're like a carpenter. Okay. Yes. Oshkosh. Boot cut. Mm-hmm. To accommodate. Yeah. The bulge. Well, his boots. <laughs> Sorry. We don't Uggs, mention the bulge. It's implied. It's like 2009. Yeah. So they're going to be Uggs. He's wearing Uggs. Yeah. Yeah. You're and sure this is in the book? Yeah. Okay. No shirt. And he doesn't have a shirt. Okay. And you know why? And so this is something I learned also from Origin. And he's partially balding. He's partially balding, but he's but also like swall. He's swall. Yeah, yeah. And so this is brings me to my next question. We're going to have to fit it into, I think, pro- certainly the first chapter. Like, he's a symbologist, and he's wrapped up in his studies, but he's also very athletic, and we need to fit in his workout regimen. Squash. Squash is right. Gotta be, right? It's from squash. For, like, an academic? Yeah. His shoulders are swole from squash. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds right. That genuinely sounds right. That Mm -hmm. genuinely sounds something that, like, something Dan Brown. I'm worried that we're now describing Dan Brown. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> could be a, an issue, but yeah. Okay, his shoulders tattoos? are swole from squash. Say what? Any tattoo visible tattoos? I don't think so, unless there's a symbology. Probably tattoo. some symbology shit, right? Yeah, like the the like pyramid the Gordian th- knot. I think it's the pyramid that's on the um, dollar bill. <laughs> the, like Illuminati symbol. Yeah. Yeah, that's and then there's like there's like a pretty long amount of time that's like explaining that in a way that you would explain it to someone who's like never seen money. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what's like crazy? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> it's above. It's on his left peck. It's on his left peck, just above his nipple, and it's like. It's pretty swallow over there, too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's Robert Langdon. And what's he doing? Here's the thing is, like, you expect him to be doing some academic shit, but he's, like, playing Tetris, right? (laughs) He's like, oh, his his nose is buried in a book about, like, the fall of the Roman Empire. But, like, the camera turns and we discover that he's... Playing Tetris on a Game Boy? What? Because he's like with it. Yeah. Okay. Does that seem right? I think or he maybe needs he's to be... doing like a cryptogram. You know, What's like... this? yeah, something smart. He's solving he's doing like... like a yeah, yeah, yeah. What are those puzzles that like my mom does them? They're puzzles in the like in the newspaper. It's not crosswords, but it's like it's like Sudoku. you have fill in a bunch of words and then like you like you take the first letter of each word and it spells oh it yeah 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 i don't know what those are called okay he's doing that yeah he's doing that he's doing that or he's doing like, those like fucking terrible british crosswords where it's like that's too smart you solve a puzzle that's too smart that's too smart okay. i think it's a cryptic crossword yeah yeah i can do them yeah i know <laughs> i open the i open the door and Sure enough, you you walk right <laughs> Stuck through. Stuck my it. foot right into it. <laughs> um, I maybe he's doing a cryptic. He, let's do that. Let's do it. Let's let's because I think this is where Dan Brown and I have something in common. I'm going to channel that. The camera zooms in. You think he's going to be like reading one of his dumb, boring books, but actually he's doing a crossword. And you're like, oh, he's just doing a crossword. Why is this guy wasting our time? And then it's like, no, it's not just any crossword. It's a cryptic. Because he loves to solve puzzles. It's a Can cryptic I take a step crossword. back? Yeah, okay. And I, I am now conflating another book that we read for another book club that we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Reacher. <laughs> is there anything Im- implicitly sexual about Robert Langdon? Is he, is he supposed to read as like a, a potent, like masculine man? Maybe I think he's the he's professor like, you want to fuck. Maybe what he's doing is, like, sexting an undergrad. Okay, that might be, like... I think that's, like, saying the quiet part loud. Okay. Like, yes, he like he is. This is, like, diegetic. Right. Like, yes, of course that's what he's doing, but, like, not necessarily what. Maybe you catch... Maybe what you do is, like, he's, like, he's from the front <laughs> angle, he's reading The Fall of the Roman Empire. Yeah. Swerves around, and he's just finishing sending a text to someone right. called, like like darcy yeah something something youthful yeah <laughs> and it seems spicy yeah but you just catch like two frames of it as he's setting it down to finish his sudoku his not sudoku the it's cryptic th- cryptic the it's cryptic the crossword it's, it's the 
I was going to say The Guardian, but that's maybe too progressive. It's probably The Telegraph. Yeah. He's, he's got ones? The Telegraph's cryptic crossword puzzle up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that seems right. Maybe it's The Independent. I don't know. Don't worry about it. We Which don't is need the to most conservative that. one? I think The Telegraph's the bad one. I mean, conservative one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's liberal. That. He's like... He like he like voted for Bloomberg, <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually like Andrew yeah. Yang. Yeah, he wrote in Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we're gonna hone in on him. Okay, yeah, we're honing in on this character. Okay, and then his BlackBerry definitely rings. Right, this was in the book. Now, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Robert, it's. The president of CERN. Yes, yes. <laughs> and the whole book takes place at CERN. I forgot this. It's the president of CERN in Switzerland. You may know what, and he's like, what? He's like, I'm super smart and know all sorts of things, but like, for the purpose of this book, I don't know what CERN is, so can you explain it to me? And the president of yeah. CERN is like, oh, we're like doing a super collider in We've Switzerland. We've got a super collider. It's in Switzerland. Yeah. It jams particles together so hard that it creates antimatter. Yes. I distinctly remember antimatter. Yes. Being part of this equation. Yes. So what we've done is we've jammed particles together so hard that it creates yeah. antimatter, and we have capsules of antimatter. Yeah. The function of which yeah. is unclear. But unclear. we've got them. We've got them. And what they can do, though, is yeah. become a bioweapon mm-hmm. that makes everyone sterile <laughs> and that might be another book for religious reasons for religious reasons it makes yeah. everyone sterile that yeah. might be another book okay. that might be angels and demons again okay well let's not get too hung up on that aspect of it but it, this is just definitely... all in the call this is this is diegetic this, this is, is all in the call yeah yeah okay. this is what yeah. the cern scientist is saying robert langdon says why are you calling me a lowly symbologist? Right. Right? At Harvard University. At Harvard. Some school in Massachusetts. Then he gets flattered by the guy. Well, oh, you're the like, only one who knows X, Y, and Z thing. Secrets someone, of Da Vinci. Someone in our laboratory died. Yeah. Horribly. Yes. And was branded or tattooed. Yes, definitely. They were branded or tattooed. With re- a word. Yes, and it's a symbol. And it's it spe- a it's it's just a word that it's spelt backwards. <laughs> it's Illuminati, it but it's spelt down. backwards. <laughs> it looks the same upside down as it does right side up. And again, that might be angels and demons. No, this is for Da Vinci Code. I think that somebody is branded and they, they dropped them in the Louvre. So the president of CERN is like, hey, yeah. one of our best scientists was branded with the word, well, the, he doesn't know this. So what's right. a, say, what, well, say a what's branded a with a word. No, spelled backwards. Hang on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write it out. And this isn't cheating. In Somebody was branded on their chest. It said, Itanimuli. <laughs> and we need the, the world's foremost symbologist to come and And we don't this. know what it is. Code. And they dropped them in the, lo- in the Louvre. 
in the Louvre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and right. and then there is a digression there, definitely, where um, Robert Langdon is like, the Louvre is a pyramid, just like the pyramid on the fucking dollar bill. And like, isn't that interesting? Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> and didn't I just blow your mind, listener, even though you read the Da Vinci Code and you just had your I've fucking been. mind blown? I've been. Yeah. To the Louvre. I am pay. Huh? I am pay. I am pay? I am pay. De- de- designed the Louvre. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. described in this chapter. And that's in this book, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's a Freemason. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Because why would you do it in the same shape? It's the pyramid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I need you. You're the only one who can figure out who carved this like weird backwards shit. Me? In this guy. No, uh, Robert. Oh, we're diegetic again. Okay. Yeah. That's, I think it, just to be clear, let's yeah. let's just be explicit about when we're being diegetic, when we're being non-diegetic. Okay. This is diegetic. Okay. I'm the only one. I'm paraphrasing. This is non-diegetic. Okay. I'm the only one who knows. No, sorry. You're the only one, Robert. And this who, is non-diegetic? Because my name's Tanner. It is diegetic. Okay. You're the only one, Robert, who knows, who can figure out what this crazy fucking word means. Right. Right? Okay. It's carved into a man's flesh. Yeah, and it's bad, and it's in the loop. And also, they stole our antimatter. <laughs> and our antimatter is missing. We're not sure if it's connected, but it probably. Right. Are we talking about angels and demons? No, definitely not. No, no, no. It's in the Are loop. Are you certain we're not talking about angels and demons? And then, and it's I Da Vinci, it's related to Da Vinci. Is angels and demons. Okay. Well, do you want to take it out? Well, no, I think what we're doing is an authentic recreation of the Da Vinci Code to the best of yeah. our memory. We'll make it work. And it's not our fault that Dan Brown wrote four other books. That are so much the same. Yeah. <laughs> so if a little of that leaks in, it's just, it's you know what that's called? It's called like foreshadowing. It's called it's foreshadowing. A literary tool. And Dan Brown is very good at it. Yeah. Okay. And I then we absolutely certain we are talking about angels and demons. Okay. The CERN stuff, the antimatter stuff. Okay. Well, he doesn't have to be from CERN. He's from the Art Institute of Chicago. That's good. Yeah. He's from the Art Institute of Switzerland. Firenze. Firenze. Yeah. Okay. There it is. Okay, for, drop the CERN stuff. That was wrong. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what's his name? Something Italian. Antonio Bellissimo. Antonio Bellissimo. I, hey, yeah. it's Antonio Bellissimo. I am the president, il presidente of the Art Institute of Firenze. Somebody yeah. stole our antimatter, and they carved a weird word. That I don't know what it is. Well, you know what? To their credit. Into a guy and put it in the loop. It's in English. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The word. Yeah. So I don't blame them for not understanding it. Can you? And you're the world's foremost symbologist. Me? Robert. It's diegetic. Okay. Have to be careful with this. Yeah. Okay. I will fly out to Firenze. Uh Uh-huh. Um... I would think the Louvre is in, the, in Paris is where you should go because that's where the body was. No, that's not till the end of the book. Really? He doesn't go to the Louvre? 
He goes okay. to the Louvre at the very end of the book. Okay, let's go. Come to Firenze and talk to me about it. Okay, here I am. Yeah. Um, it says Illuminati. What? You've already figured it out? It's just in plain English. That feels a little early for chapter one. I'm pretty sure <laughs> it's in chapter one. Okay. So you're here. Wait, wait, you just figured it out over the Blackberry. No, no, no. Sorry. What I had to do first is meet up with a colleague of mine, Amelie. That's got to take a chapter, and she's a babe, right? She's a... Uh, yeah, I guess. There's, there's a whole chapter to describe her. Oh, sure. And it's like men writing women kind of stuff, right? Where it's like her clitoris was bulging out of her <laughs> lane bryant are you slats. sure that was a man who wrote that <laughs> you didn't yeah. read that from a book by women for women <laughs> i guess maybe if it mentioned the clitoris it would probably not be a man <laughs> okay good all right so what's her name lane bryant so lane bryant yeah he um he flies to Firenze and he meets with Lane Bryant. Her clitoris is bulging out of her Lane Bryant slacks. Slacks, yeah, which she designed because she's also a fashion designer. Yeah, as is everyone in Milan, which is where yeah. we are. Okay, not Florence, which is what Firenze is. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Okay, as is everyone in Milan, and I think okay, and and she's what is she? She's a pr- woman. A, a, a woman. woman. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, those are her credentials. Full stop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a Milanese woman. Yeah. Okay. That's well, I good. think she's French. She's French. Okay. Which is why they go to the Louvre eventually. Okay, but not yet. And she's Amelie. And it's Amelie. In the movie. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we've flown to Milan. We flew to Firenze. Firenze. But then we. Found our way to Milan. It's not far. Okay. Um, Italy's not a big country. Okay. I'm a big professor of symbology. Let's talk about symbology. She's also a symbologist. Yes. That if I, I now I'm remembering that. Yeah. Everyone in Milan is a fashion designer. Yeah. Except That's red. Lane Take Bryant. that as red. Except Lane Bryant, who is a symbologist. Except Lane Bryant, who's also a symbologist. A symbologist. <laughs> okay. Hey, says Robert Langdon, somebody carved Illuminati in this guy's chest, Mm -hmm. and you're the only one who can help me figure out why. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And then we need, I think we have to go in about five minutes, but I think we need a brief flashback, and then we'll- Gotta be a flashback. End with a cliffhanger. The question is whether the flashback is to Robert Langdon's youth, Lane Bryant's youth- or the I think it's Lane. scene where the man had Illuminati carved into his chest. He's gone. We're not. Oh, yeah. No, I think it's. Well, what do you think it is? Well, so here's the thing is like, it could be like a um, CSI thing where it's like Robert Langdon is like looking around the room and in just doing that, mm-hmm. he's able to kind of piece together the clues and like imagine and speak out loud the moment of the crime where the man was killed and Illuminati carved into his chest. Okay, let's have that. Okay, that sounds good. Okay, so here we are. It's, yeah. We're in 
Rome. Mm-hmm. We've traveled again. We had yeah. to, we flew into Florence because the prices were cheap. It's cheaper. Yeah, airfare was way cheaper to fly into Florence, and then we took the train down to Milan to meet up with Lane Bryant, mm-hmm. and then we took the train to back Rome. to Rome. Yeah, yeah. And we're at the crime scene. We see the man who was stabbed and carved um, Illuminati into his chest. They moved him from the Louvre. And he, Robert Langdon has a flashback and he says, okay, what I'm picking up on is that there was a man here who was bleeding mm-hmm. out his back. Right. And then we see it. This is back blood. Okay. Right? Yes. And it's not the man, the Illuminati guy's blood. Someone else's blood. And it's back blood. Okay. From whipping. Maybe. From whipping. We don't know. We can't tell. We don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the plot and that is that the cliffhanger? I think so. Okay. Normally, more flashbacks. Normally, I would say, just based on my memory of Dan Brown, that you should end a chapter with somebody falling out of a helicopter. But this is just chapter one. Maybe they fall into a canal. This is back back blood," said Robert Langdon. He sees it in the water. I need an ad because it's all canals in Italy insightfully and then they fall into a canal right because it's all it's, canals it's venice guys yeah, this is venice this is venice of venice is all canals in. yeah so he sees the blood floating in the water yeah <laughs> intelligently yeah and then pieces it all together good okay and now it's a fucking mystery who did it did they kiss not yet not yet not yet not chapter one yeah. I mean, I think, weirdly, I do think we covered a lot of ground tonight. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, there's obviously a lot more work to do. Yeah. This is chapter one of book one. Yeah. Of the Robert Langdon And there are, series. like, looking at origin, there are, like, 800 chapters. <laughs> it's, yeah. like, shocking how many chapters there are. Yeah. Yeah. But that's everything I remember from The Da Vinci Code. Mm-hmm. So far. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of Angels and Demons is is mixed in there as well. No, I mean, it's the same guy. A lot of Jack Reacher is mixed in there as yep. well. So a lot of this stuff is going to be tainted by, you know, just, just sort of the reading habits of a uh, 38-year-old man. Yeah. I hope, guys, I hope this helps. Probably some Stephen King in there. We're doing a service here, and I hope this is helpful. That's what I want to say. Primarily. We're here to help you remember what the Da Vinci Code was about. And w- the way we are approaching it is two men yeah. who have read the Da Vinci Code. Some, some, uh, some of us ago. more than once. Yeah. Yeah. We're just like you. Yeah. Except we're remembering we're doing, we're doing the work so you don't have to. Yeah. And are we heroes? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should you... Give us money. Yes. For this hard work, for this emotional labor. Yes. Yes. Jack will send you our Zell. <laughs> yes. Email code. Yep. So you can just direct pay D- us. Direct deposit into our bank accounts. Yep. And we'll s- split the proceeds. Jack will get a little bit more because he does that at the episodes. <laughs> Um, this has been Remembering the Da Vinci Code. We did remember the Da Vinci Code. Chapter, chapter one. one. Um, yeah. Well, and the and the um, prologue. And the prologue. Um, we're going to keep hacking away at this, hopefully. 
Um, and um, in the meantime, I think all that remains is for me to say my name, and it's been Jack Shepard. My name is Renat Gnernig. What devilish symbology is that? (laughs) (laughs) Crack my code, intrepid (laughs) symbologists, and you shall win a prize. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And the prize is immortality. The prize is immortality. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) And now, the first chapters of The Da Vinci Code. The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown. Dedication for Nora Brown. The cipher to my riddle. Epigraph. I can calculate the motion of heavenly bodies, but not the madness of people. Sir Isaac Newton. Prologue. As the sun set behind the timeless dome of St. Peter's Basilica, cipher walked hurriedly through the driving rain in Trastevere, shielding his eyes against the rain, which was driving. The air smelled vaguely of earthworms. Ironically, this feels like a punishment from God, which I like, thought Cypher, chuckling wryly to himself. But it's not enough. Later I will go home and flagellate myself with a glass-tipped catonine tail. To a casual observer, the hunched figure might seem like an ordinary Italiano, hurrying home from work to get out of the driving downpour. But Cypher was anything but ordinary. Unless you consider a member of an ancient sect and a keeper of an ancient secret about the Knights Templar to be ordinary. These statues are full of religious symbology that no one else can even see, thought Cypher to himself, knowingly. Casting his eyes around huntedly, he sheltered beneath an overhanging statue, pulled a large whip from his belt, and began flagellating himself, wincing as the blood ran in rivulets down his back. This is something he actually likes to do. Just then, his phone began to ring. Hello, Moto. The Principe is calling early today, thought Cypher as he pressed talk on the handset. Hello. I'm whipping myself, he said into his state-of-the-art Motorola Razor flip phone. Cypher was one of the few people who knew that the Principe was not what he seemed to his friends and colleagues. Cypher knew that the Principe was in fact the director of a mysterious group called the Assassins, who had been affecting world events since the Middle Ages, when they lived in Syria and went by the name Hashishin, because they smoked hashish to get into the mood for killing, which doesn't totally make sense, but we're going to roll with it. Stop whipping yourself. It's time, barked the Principe. The seal has been broken.
Cypher cocked his big shotgun and set back out into the driving rain. Chapter 1 Prestigious symbologist Robert Langdon was sitting intelligently in a bookshelf for ancient and impressive books in Cambridge, Massachusetts. That's where Harvard is, Harvard University, which is one of the smartest universities, in case you don't know. It's actually one of the smartest places in the world, and also, technically, it predates the pyramids. I've been an eminent lecturer here for more than a decade thought Langdon sardonically to himself as he thumbed perspicaciously through a large tome about the arcane symbols that predicted the fall of the Roman Empire. But I'm not here for the prestige. I'm here because I love to profess, and because I love challenging youth with radical ideas. Dressed unassumingly in a tastefully shabby Harris Tweed bodysuit with elbow patches and shoulder pads that make him look even more masculine, Langdon's vivacious mind has been hard at work on three problems simultaneously. The complicated religious and mystical symbology of the late Roman Empire, the Daily Telegraph's fiendishly difficult Sunday word search, and a spicy text he's been composing to an undergrad named Darcy. To look at my reserved academic demeanor, you wouldn't know that just this morning I'd been engaged in a particularly vigorous and athletic game of squash, he thought caustically to himself, or that I have a tattoo of a pyramid on my left pectoral, just above the nipple. Much like Robert Langdon himself, there's a lot more to the pyramid than meets the casual eye. Most Americans would be surprised to learn, for instance, that they spend their days with multiple pyramid totems folded inside their pockets. But then, most Americans have never taken the time to look closely at the $1 bill, which has a secret pyramid hidden on the back for those who know how to look for it. And yes, it's from the Illuminati. Just then, Langdon's state-of-the-art Nokia 3310, with Snake 2 pre-installed, began to buzz, shaking him out of his reverie. Langdon here. Mr. Langdon, it's Antonio Bellissimo, the president of CERN, a laboratory in Switzerland that does super colliders. Someone in our laboratory died horribly and was branded or tattooed with a symbol that's completely impossible for us to decipher. It looks like it says, Itani Muli, but that's not a word in any language I can find, and I know quite a lot of them. After the horrific branding, the scientist's body was dropped in the Louvre. We need the world's foremost symbologist to help figure it out. Normally, Langdon would love nothing more at this point than to talk about one of his favorite subjects, the aforementioned pyramids. Most people don't know that the designer of the Louvre, I.M. Pei, cleverly hid a pyramid-like structure deep inside his blueprints for the museum, and that pyramids are from the Illuminati but this didn't feel like the time for such an abstruse and esoteric digression. His interlocutor seemed quite agitated. I'll be right there, intoned Langdon grimly. Is there anything else I should know? Yes, they stole our antimatter. Please hurry!
as Robert Langdon stepped off the plane in Firenze Airport. He was met by a supple brunette with breasts. Her clitoris was bulging tastefully out of her Lane Bryant slacks. Welcome, Mr. Langdon. I am Amelie Bryant, a woman who is also a symbologist. Allow me to show you the body. A vision of the unfortunate man's last moments flashed across Langdon's brain. He must have crawled all the way across the Louvre after his assailant carved the mysterious symbol into his chest. But the way that the blood was distributed in the museum didn't fit at all with how front blood would come out of a crawling man. This is back blood, said Langdon. And it's from someone else. Just then, he fell into the canal. <laughs> 